Good evening, afternoon. You know my family, and if I talk for under 20 minutes, um, it will go against every genetical predisposition I have. So know that I've worked very hard uh, to, to get us where we're going. Uh, James uh, Horsewalker Beckham is going to give me the cutoff sign, so I'll be looking for that. Um, I know Titus 2, that principle there about uh, old men and older ladies teaching younger kids is true uh, because I know it's true to, because of my life. Um, you have given me a foundation that is complete spiritually and uh, I think about that every day and so I'm very grateful for that. We'll be in 2 Kings 23 to, to start out with today. For Christians, true celebration calls for a change of heart. It calls for a complete change. It calls for us to investigate our morality, how we treat others, and how we're living our life through the week. A true celebration for Christians calls for a change of heart. When Rachel and I moved to Memphis, uh, it was right at our one-year marriage anniversary, so we went up to Chicago and spent a couple days there. And we had a lot of great plans. We uh, saw the Navy Pier, we saw Lake Michigan, we saw all the buildings, all the food, lots of pizza. And I decided one night we were going to splurge. And so we went to the Signature Room restaurant. It's on the 95th floor of the John Hancock building. And uh, it was great. The, we're 95 stories up. If you look out that window, you're looking down 95 floors. And you see Lake Michigan and the Navy Piers all right there. It's great and terrifying at the same time. The food was great. Everything was good. But when the waiter came up, I was planning on getting chicken because that was the cheapest thing on the menu. <laughs> but the waiter comes up and he says, uh, we have a special today. It's uh, surf and turf. You get a lobster tail and a filet. And, and growing up in the restaurants I still go to when I hear special, I think, Cheaper, you know, better deal, uh, more bang for your buck, all these things. So I got it because it was special and it was really good. You know, mashed potatoes on top, it was great. The rest of the meal was great. We had great conversation. Everything was good. But we got the check back and it was $133. Yeah. And my plate alone cost $81. So I got almost physically sick right there in the restaurant. <laughs> Rachel was laughing, it was a terrible moment. Um, <laughs> celebrating is easy. Um, celebrating well is more difficult. We're gonna pick up at a, a story, a part of Judah's story in 2 Kings you know, 20 and on, and we're gonna get into Jeremiah too. But it's a, a part of their story where they were celebrating their past, kind of like, we are today. The story also illustrates what Chet was talking about, I think, too, that we have to be bearing fruit. And as Christians, to be celebrating well, we have to check our heart. So I think, I thought as preparing this, it would be a good way for, for us to end our time together. Second Kings 23, and Josiah takes uh, office as king when he was eight years old, King Josiah. At that time, 
Judah was in a terrible mess. Manasseh, his grandfather, was the most evil king. There were, there were shrines in the temple. He was killing people. There was murders everywhere. There was uh, temples on every high hill they were worshiping. They was sacrificed his child to Molech and, and killed him. It was, it was really a terrible and turbulent time in their history. So King Josiah comes in. Eventually, as he develops and grows, he has a heart of God. And he decides he wants to restore Judah. He wants to restore their worship. So he begins to restore the temple because that was logically the best place to start. And so he starts collecting money and he's sending money uh, from the collection to the temple. And at some point, he tells his secretary, hey, you go to the temple, check out the high priest. Make sure that that money is getting spent well. Make sure all the money is getting to the carpenters and the mason guys and everybody's doing what they need to be doing with this money. So he does that. And everything's going well for the temple uh, uh, reconstruction, we could call it. Well, one day, as they're working in the temple, they, they find this document. And the document was titled The Book of the Law. And I think it was Deuteronomy. Uh, so they find Deuteronomy in the temple. And so everybody's like, this is a big deal. It was probably hidden from Manasseh, his evil um, grandfather. And so they take this document back to Josiah and then the secretary reads it. And Josiah sees that his, his uh, reformation, restoration isn't adequate yet. So he tears his clothes and he's in mourning. And he gets all the people together. Well, first he, he sends uh, the secretary and the high priest to Hulda, the prophet, prophetess. And she gives him his blessing so he continues to work, to work, to work, to restore um, God's people to God. So Josiah does all this reformation. He calls the people together. They, they read the book of law together. He makes a covenant between them and God. He, he destroys all the high places in Judah. He takes out all the shrines from the temple. He destroys the sacrificial place where Molech was, was worshipped. He does all these things. He has the greatest Passover that had been in centuries and centuries before. He did everything that he could possibly do to restore their forms of worship. And we see in 2 Kings 23, 20, 25, before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Josiah worked very, very hard. If we ended our story here, it would be a great ending. We would see the importance that God places on a right worship. And we could do that with this sermon if we wanted to. We're about to see that Josiah had the power to change the people's worship. He could change their festivals. He could change their feasts. He could change their, their sacrifices, their offerings. He could change all those things. He had that power to do that. He had that power for them to celebrate well. But he did not have the power to change the people's heart. And we're going to see that. If you will flip over to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. In reality, the people's celebration led to really shallow change instead of a change of heart. In Jeremiah 7, Judah is in real political turmoil. Uh, Assyria is faltering completely almost. Babylon is rising. Um, Egypt is coming up from the south and trying to take over Judah, even though they're, they're weaker, they're still working on that. And Judah is very weak. 
Imagine this political turmoil. Who are we going to go with Babylon? Are we going to go with Egypt? We're going to fight both of them? What are we going to do? How are we going to protect our families? How are we going to protect God's country? What are we going to do? And so the people go to the temple, their religious safe place. And Jeremiah, and really, we use this word epic a lot, uh, that things aren't really epic, but this is really an epic scene of Jeremiah standing at the temple gate between God and the people. And he has a word of the Lord from them. So we're going to pick up in Jeremiah chapter 7. I hope you can read that. I'm going to read it out of my Bible. Jeremiah 7, 1 through 4. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds... If you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell on this place and the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. And we'll stop there for the moment. In the midst of this political turmoil, the people go to the temple. And it's kind of almost a, uh, a superstitious way to go. Crazy things are happening, so everyone's going to the temple thinking, if I pray to God here at this temple, no matter how my life's going over here through the week, if I pray to God at this temple, then he's going to answer our prayer, even though he's already sent harsh judgments before in Jeremiah 1 through 6. And so it's a kind of a superstitious way to go. Um, In reality, the people were putting their trust in a temple, not in God. They were worshiping their religion, not God. In our current terms, they were, in essence, you've heard this phrase, punching their ticket, but forgetting God in the rest of their week. It seems indeed that Josiah's reform was only skin deep. Instead of relying on God, Judah relied on other things and asked uh, religion to save them. We're going to the temple, we're going to the temple, we're going to the temple. We have a, a hard time relying on God through the week, don't we? Matthew 5, Jesus uh, opens with the Sermon on the Mount. He opens with uh, uh, the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those, Jesus says, you're happy, you're, you're welcome here. If you realize you have a lack, you have a need, among other things, I think he's saying, you have a need that can only be filled with Christ. Jesus is calling us to rely on him fully, and not on these other things that we have reliance in sometimes, like our money or family or whatever. Jesus is calling us to rely on him. You know, and working with folks in recovery from addictions a lot, I think they, they get this point a lot better than, than us that aren't as addicts get this sometimes. The, the first step in most of the programs that we admit we are powerless over addiction and, and our lives have become unmanageable. The admittance, and this will be hard for some of us, to admit that I can't live this life on my own power. I can't live without Jesus in every moment. And Josiah's story and Jeremiah's story point us to this most basic and important part of our faith. We must fully understand our weaknesses 
and our idols so we can fully put our trust and our faith in God. One reason we can be very religious but never taste the peace of God that comes from his spirit is because we rely on religion sometimes rather than relying on God, on God's strength. We live in our own power, our own wealth, and not God's. So Josiah has this celebration. But we see as Christians that a celebration isn't complete. That celebration was important, but it's not complete until a celebration reaches our hearts. And Jeremiah calls the people to this in verses nine, five through nine. Let's read it one more time. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, if you don't shed innocent blood in this place, if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place in the land that I gave to old of your fathers forever. When we rely on God fully, it changes our life, our actions, our deeds. Amend your deeds through the week. True worship and celebration leads to changes in how we treat others and how we treat God. We execute justice one with another, Jeremiah says, out of all people on the face of this planet. Christians should be most concerned about systemic poverty, about power struggles, about greed, about race. Out of all people, we should be concerned about those things. Do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. Don't shed innocent blood. Do not worship other gods. Theirs was, was Baal or, or other gods of the stars. Ours can be our spouses or our kids, our jobs, our influence. Things that we put all our stock in. And over the years we can watch as they crumble because nothing can fulfill us as Jesus can. And nothing can take that pressure. Do not steal, do not murder, do not covet commit adultery, swear falsely, worship other gods. Jeremiah is reminding them of Ten Commandments. A true celebration, Jeremiah is calling them to a change of heart. And we can see heart change through our action towards others. Chet brought it about as the fruit that God bears in our life. So if we ended the story here with Josiah and Jeremiah, then it would be sad. <laughs> then it would be sad. Because uh, the, Judah is taken over by Babylon. Jeremiah is, is there with the poorest of the people. Folks like Ezekiel and Daniel are, are in Babylon and the temple is destroyed completely. But it doesn't end there. Turn to Jeremiah 31. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah points us forward. 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. We now have a covenant of individual intimacy and relationship with God through Christ and the Spirit.
We see here the promise of a changed heart, uh, of intimacy with God such that, that we will, he says, we will know him. We will understand him in a way that wasn't possible before. We contrast Jeremiah at the temple gate in chapter 7 and Jeremiah in chapter 32. In, in 7, we see a people who are very far from God, knowing what it means, not knowing what it means to truly live as God's people. In chapter 31, we see a people who live as God's people only because, and this was one of Chet's point, we live as God's people only because God is working in us. This morning, let's celebrate well. Let's celebrate as people who are extremely, extremely religious, who are worried about the forms, who care about what God cares about. Let's also be people who celebrate how we bring the reign of Christ into a fallen and a broken world and how we treat others. You know, I see a lot of, uh, I don't see that was the wrong word because I'm not really looking at faces. That would scare me. But uh, I think of Jeremiah 31 people here of, um, of Doug Perry. You know, he taught me among hundreds of other things that you can lead an event and you can take the trash out at that event too. You know, the ultimate servant. I think of Miss Pat in the office growing up, how she was kind to literally every person, no matter how sane they were, she was kind to them. Uh, I think of um, John Thomas. You know, I learned how to, you know, he would just give me 50 spots with a handshake, and that was the bill right there. And I, I learned how to give from people like him. There's a lot of people here who know this sermon because they live this sermon. And I think it's fitting as we end our time together that, that we celebrate well. There's a, <clears throat> there's a story in 2012 that came out. A woman lived with a man named Charlie for 10 years. Uh, the weird thing is that Charles died 18 months previous before they found his body. And she had propped Charles up in his favorite chair and they watched NASCAR together. It's kind of a weird story, isn't it? Yeah. This woman sought security from a person's form, but no person was really there. He was dead. And we can be like that too. We can seek security from our religious forms, but in reality, be completely quenching the spirit. Be completely quenching his fruit in our life and live as if Jesus Christ isn't the king of our life. This morning, the plea is don't let this celebration go by without examining your heart, your actions towards others, your worship to God. You care about those with less power in this town. We care about each other because we love each other, as Mr. Pat said in, in the late service. True celebration leads to a changed heart. So let's celebrate well this morning. If we can help in any way, we hope that you come as we stand and sing together.